Welcome back to the Ask Different Podcast. This is episode number 20, recorded January 7th, 2012. I'm Kyle Cronin. I'm Jason Zollis. I'm Nathan Greenstein. And we are back for a new year. Happy holidays, guys. I trust everybody's was good. Uh, mine was pretty good. Didn't get anything major. Didn't get anything Apple-related or even necessarily technology-related. But it was good to spend the time with my family. See them around. I got the Steve Jobs biography. Oh, actually, I got that, too. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I got I haven't, to... haven't read it yet. I've got a lot of other school reading first, but looking forward to it. Yeah, I got maybe like through like the first, what, 10 or 20 pages. Basically, Steve Jobs' early life. I think I sort of ended right around the spot where it mentions that he um, he wired his parents' house with the speakers and used them as microphones, which is, quite frankly, a bit genius. Uh, <laughs> but I, I've got another several hundred pages to go, obviously, so I'm really looking forward to finishing that. Although I... I even bef- like long before I, I obviously have read the book, I listened to that episode of Hypercritical where John Syracuse, compl- well, two episodes, where John Syracuse completely eviscerates it. And I can sort of see, like, I'll, I'll read something and I'll be like, oh, yeah, he sort of mentioned something about this. Especially if you look at the, the, the list of the characters, quote unquote characters in the book, the, the real people in, in the front. Some of the descriptions that he uses are kind of bizarre <laughs> and just kind of kind of interesting. But they are characters in their own right. Oh, definitely. And some of them are definitely bizarre in their own right. <laughs> well, I, I don't mean bizarre in the sense that he's describing their bizarre characters. It's like, of all the words you could have used to describe this person, why did you use, I don't know, Marxist or something like that? It's like... The, Maybe, maybe okay. Maybe that was their political leaning, and who knows? Maybe it'll play an important part in the story later. But it just seemed reading through it without actually having read the book yet. It was some some odd word choices. So uh, to kick off the new year, um, and in fact, we're approaching ask difference uh, one year since our public launch uh, graduation. Graduation. Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, one year since graduation, so where we switched from being Apple public stack, beta. right? Apple Stack yeah. Exchange with the generic public beta look to actually graduating with our own uh, identity and and visual branding, as well as having the security of knowing that there wasn't the possibility that Stack Exchange was just going to come in and shut us down at any second. So to kick off the new year, what we'd like to do is we'd like to provide kind of a list of ask different best practices now a lot of these are going to be basic to a lot of people that are old hat with with ask different but we hope that uh there will be something in this episode that maybe you didn't know before or maybe you were doing a little suboptimally i guess and so and we also just sort of wanted to document some of these best practices in one place so that we can refer people to this episode in the future if if they uh, have questions about how to um how to use the site and how to uh, how to make the most of it. And so to start right off, I just want to basically what is what is the primary function of ask different? Asking questions. Asking questions. So how do and you answering a- said questions? Right. So how do you ask a question? Well, first you got to make sure no one else has already asked the same question. Right. 
So you do a search, and even if you miss it during your search, the engine's pretty smart. It analyzes your title and your links when you're typing, and it'll tell you if there's a similar question. So actually, even there have been times, generally on bigger sites on Stack Overflow and SuperUser, where I'll be I'll search, I can't find a duplicate, so I start asking, and then oh, there's a link to uh, to one that's already been asked, but the title was worded completely differently. So. They, they they help you out there. Yeah, there's been a number of times on, on on other sites. I don't know that it's really happened so much on Ask Different, but certainly on Stack Exchange at large, that I've started writing a question and whether I did or didn't search before, uh, you see in the relateds and you go over to it to just kind of see and, oh, hey, look, there's the answer that you needed that applies equally as much to you. I know that in a couple of those cases, I've put a separate use case that the answer also suffices as a comment on the actual question, but that's that. And you can you kind of help the process along by attracting other users with slightly different key terms or what have you to the same information that worked for you, worked for me in the first place. Right. So basically there are two kind of three ways to search for questions. Uh, the first one is obviously the search bar in the upper right-hand corner of the site. You can just type stuff in there. If you don't type anything, if you just put your cursor in there and hit enter, there you'll get a page with a whole bunch of um, parameters that you can filter your search by. So I find this extremely handy if I want to, say, find only questions or only answers or questions by a certain person or questions with a minimum number of votes or views or whatever. It's extremely handy uh, for doing that. Uh, there's also the possibility of using Google. So you can go to Google, you can type several uh, keywords or or even your entire sort of title of your question and then go site colon apple.stackexchange.com and this will search google's index of all of ask difference questions and sometimes you'll get better results because google i mean let's be honest google is the best search engine you know available and regardless of how good Stack Exchange's search engine is, they're not going to compete with a, a company that has billions and billions of dollars at their disposal, at their disposal for making uh, the best search engine in the world. So there's basically those two options. I mean, you could use other search engines as well. And like Nathan mentioned, when you actually go and hit the Ask Question button in the upper right-hand corner, again, sort of below the search bar, that once you start typing in your title, you'll also get a list of questions that have similar titles. And so you may also find a question in there that matches the kind of question that you're asking. So the second thing to do, once once you know that you you there's no question on the site that matches what, what you're what you're asking, uh, the second thing you have to do is make sure that it's on topic. Now, if you check the Ask Different fact, it says Ask Different is for Apple enthusiasts and power users. If you have a question about Apple hardware, Apple software other Apple products or services, or third-party hardware and software for Apple products. Uh, And it is not about Apple developer programs or iTunes Connect, including iAd, programming with the exception of AppleScript and Automator, uh, installing or using Apple operating systems on on non-Apple hardware, a shopping or buying recommendation for hardware, pre-release or beta software, obtaining or using pirated software or media, then you're in the right place to ask your question. So this this pretty much mostly, you know, if you if you have a question about Mac OS ten, iOS, an iOS app, a Mac app, Apple hardware, you know, airports, Apple remotes, you know, whatever, it's all pretty much on topic. But just make sure that you check the fact and make sure that's not 
one of those things under the not about section, then you're free to uh, ask your question. So Jason, did you have any tips on coming up with a good title? We kind of covered this on a previous episode where we talked about what Stack Exchange is and isn't, and being that it's predominantly Q and A, uh, and with any site like with, with anything with anything else online that is a help desk or a form or any other kind of media, be descriptive in your question in your question title because that's what that's what's actually going to attract people to actually be able to answer your question, uh, or if they're having a similar problem again like before, if they see any key term similarly they might come in and help you out. So question titles are at least one or two keywords that describe your problem, quick time lion, and something worded around the phrase of uh, how can I how can I get quick time to open a Windows media audio file? And those situations do occur from time to time, unfortunately. But something of can't play can't play Windows media is half descriptive and even worse is help i can't play music doesn't tell us anything and and even worse is playing with QuickTime. you know play my quick time won't play that that's what it, you gotta you gotta talk about what your problem is in the title so what are you yeah. trying to do and what's happening yeah there's a there's there's a very fine balance and there there's a lot of things that can that will change this that we'll talk about a little bit down the road but there's a very specific middle ground that you want to have enough of the information in the title that basically sets up the environment it is it is the starting of your question right actually and i think that for the most part questions the titles of questions should themselves be questions so instead of saying to someone quicktime problems you say how can I play Windows Media in QuickTime? Question mark. So you can actually include a surprising amount of of detail in a, t- a question title. There is a limit, but my my best advice is to make it as descriptive as possible, because not only will that make people more interested in answering the question because that's all they see when they see the list of questions that oh well you know i know the answer to that particular question but also in the future it helps people that are searching for these questions so people that are searching using our search engine or searching using google the title of the question is given uh, more priority than the body of the question so a, a descriptive title helps um helps you and helps everybody and i think people are sometimes afraid of using a title that they think is too long but really it's okay if your title's long. It shouldn't be two sentences, but it can be a full sentence. There's no no reason to restrict yourself to a five-word title. It's it, you know, it'll fit on the line even if it's a full sentence and people can find your content better. Oh, definitely. I mean, there is a there is a limit to how long your title can be, but feel oh, yeah. free to use up to that limit. That's not a problem. Yeah. Um, and even if it wraps onto two lines, that's fine. That's why it wraps. Right. And so perhaps more important than the title is the body of the question. Uh, Nathan, do you have any tips on, the, on uh, making a good body of the question? Well, so basically you have to clearly explain what's going on. That is the key. So if you are panicked and you're writing all in caps and you're not putting any periods in and you're screaming for help repeatedly in the question, it's going to get downvoted. That's low quality. So you have to... You have to clearly go over what's not happening, what you want to happen, and what you want from the answers. So if you want the to, to use the QuickTime example, you should tell people 
what you're trying to do, what's not happening, and what you want from the answer. So the answers would be, you could be asking, why doesn't this work? And how do I fix it? Or you could be asking, what's some other software that would do this? I don't know. But you have to specify. And that's actually something you see. That's actually something you see frequently, people not specifying what they want from the answers. It's also important when you're providing detail to provide the stuff the stuff that you've already tried so you could say well you know i'm trying to install windows on my macbook let's say and i can't get the install cd to boot you know i've i've restarted the computer i've held the c button that doesn't work i've restarted the computer i've held the option button and that doesn't work what else can i try and so this sort of helps uh, bypass those common troubleshooting pro- uh, steps and go right to actually trying to solve your problem. Otherwise, if if it's left vague or if it doesn't appear that you yourself have put in a reasonable amount of effort into solving your, your question, it's unlikely that anyone else is going to want to handhold you through the process. So as Jeff Atwood says, you should be the person in the world that cares the most about your question. And, and you, it should be easily apparent when you see the body of the question. There's a surprising amount of emphasis that we have to place on what you're actually trying to accomplish. Because a lot of times there, there, there'll be questions along the lines of, well, I tried this and I tried this and neither of these options were working. But it just kind of leaves this little ambiguity in the air of what exactly is the problem that's trying to be solved. Uh, there was a question kind of recently about how how to make a base station uh, an airport router show up as a computer and after a couple of comments and a couple of clarifications between myself others and the original question asker there there was well i need it to show up as a computer because it's being kicked off the network by the network administrators and this this finally revealed that that they're they're in a situation where the rules dictate that they're not allowed to use their own devices that relay and extend the network for I'm sure the network administrators had a very good reason. And what it boiled down to, what my answer was, was there's no technical, there's no single answer to accomplish this because the devices in use vary wildly and we have no idea what your school uses. So plead your case. Go talk to the network administrators and plead your case. Tell them, bring your iPad and hold it up and say, this has no cable. I have no way of plugging into the school's network. I want to be able to use it because it assists me in my studies and it's a good central place for my notes, but I need to be able to get those notes off the device onto my computer and do my work better. Being sure to actually say what you're trying to solve and why what you've done hasn't solved it is actually pretty pretty important and uh, and sometimes just glossed over. Definitely, yeah. And so when you're asking the question, you get your title, you got your body, and then below the body there are there's a section for you to tag your question. And for most people, all you get, all you have to do is just sort of start typing some of the key elements of your question. So if it's about QuickTime, you type QuickTime. If it's about OS 10, you type OS 10. And a, a box will pop up below that shows the, the tags that are currently exist in the system and you can select them. And I, I don't know what the reputation requirement is, but for, for new users, they can't actually create new tags. I think it's um, somewhere around 300. It's something like that, yeah. 300 seems a little odd, but something like that. I'd like 250, probably. And so you want, I think you're allowed up to five tags. And you want to make sure that your tags, 
represent both the 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 software or hardware or whatever that that is that you're asking about as well as w- sort of trying to capture in a general sense the area in which you're trying to use it so you know if you had a quicktime question you might have OS 10 quicktime audio uh file formats file formats that sort of stuff and having good tags is important again for the same reasons as having a good title the first is that uh, there are a lot of users that will filter their front page by interesting tags and ignore to ignore tags. And so if you tag your question with something with a, a tag that other users have tagged have, have indicated as their interesting tag, then they see that highlighted in yellow and it brings their attention to it because they said that they're interested in it and it makes them more likely to look at your question and potentially answer it. And again, also it, it helps in searching and categorizing questions for people that are trying to find the answers in the future. I know a lot of people have said that that kind of feature makes a bigger difference on Stack Overflow server fault, something that has a much more broad scope. Uh, but there's, you know, the Apple ecosystem is by no means small, and people that have a particular expertise of using iOS devices because they've never actually owned a Mac can do equally as much, and they'll they'll tend towards tags like iOS, iPhone, iPod, and they might just blanket ignore OS 10 because they don't have the knowledge enough to really fix some of these problems at such a detailed level. Right. So yeah, tags, tags tend to be more important on those larger sites, but they are important here as well. So uh, make sure that uh, you're, you're required to put tags on your questions. So uh, just make sure that they're good ones and uh, you, you might, you'll probably get a better response. And if you think you need to create a tag, you should really think about whether or not it, is really big enough that it deserves a whole tag. If it's something that's really localized, like if you were going to make a new tag for QuickTime reading Windows media formats, that's too that's too specific for a tag. And the idea with having multiple tags is that you don't need just one that represents your whole problem. You can pick a few tags that represent the components in your question. And, right. And I, I, I did check it as 300 to create tags, but so that's a fairly low, <laughs> fairly low limit, but... I just be careful with it. That would be my advice. All right. So you're right. If 300. All right. Okay. I was wrong. And sort of the last thing we mentioned it in the in the section about creating a a good body of of the question. But it, it is really important to use full sentences, capitalized stuff, periods, whatever, formatting it correctly, because <laughs> you would not believe actually the amount of difference this makes. Actually, you probably would. Uh, but if you don't have even the basic grammar, spelling, capitalization, it shows immediately that you don't care about the question. You don't you don't care enough about it to put in the basic amount of effort to make it presentable. And honestly, that sh- that's immediately apparent and no one will care. And they'll probably flag it for as low quality or whatever. And we will probably go in there. We'll say, Nathan and I, because we're moderators, we'll probably say, well, you know, this person's not using complete sentences and the stuff's all over the place and there's barely any information in here. This is, this is, not, a, this is not a good question and we'll, we'll close it. So Sometimes, sometimes if it's a good question and there's information, there's enough to answer the question, but it's hard to read because 
it's it's not formatted well and they're not complete sentences something like that and this generally comes from people who don't speak english as their first language they've got a good question but they you know they they're not uh, as comfortable with english grammar as most native speakers so they have some errors in their question and that's where editing is important because well and we'll talk about editing in more detail later but basically if you can propose an edit for that question just go in convert things to complete sentences capitalize when you need to but if there's a good question there's no reason to get rid of it just because it's hard to read you know if, if you've got 10 minutes to put into that question yeah we'll we get do, into that we really later. appreciate it if you can yeah we'll get into that help. later when we talk about editing yeah yeah, yeah. um and so we we basically covered the basics of how to ask a question. If you if you sort of follow these rough guidelines, obviously we can't guarantee that you'll get an answer to your question, but you have ensured that it has the best possible chance of getting one. And the flip side of that is how do you answer a question? Uh, Jason, did you uh, did you have any uh, advice on how to answer a question? A lot of answers that I've been seeing recently start following under the xy problem that i've talked about before and my my example my example question was exactly one how can i make a router look like a computer well it is what's the difference two interfaces maybe uh the question was how do i make a router look like a computer and the answer was don't the answer was talk to people and get permission uh that's that's in no way a direct answer to the question literally speaking but it in my opinion was the best possible answer you could come up with considering all the facts considering all the details and of course considering the requirements of the asker in the first place right so the whole idea behind the xy problem is that you basically your answer is in two parts if if necessary the first part is answering the question as asked so if someone says how do i get my router to look like a computer and you know how to do that or at least to the extent to which they have provided the information for you, you say, well, this is kind of what you do. But then the second part is you try to figure out why they're trying to do that and say, well, just because you do these steps doesn't necessarily mean that your campus won't unblock you or something like that. And so the real solution to your problem and not necessarily the question that you asked is to go to your network administrator. And so that's basically the idea behind the XY problem. You say the first part is you answer the question. The second part is you try to figure out what the problem is and address that as well. And so that is kind of the ideal answer to a, uh, to, to a, a question. But on a more basic level than that, there are obviously numerous things that you can do to make your answer more respectable to people for voting on it or just for the sake of completeness and answering the question itself. Uh, one that we see fairly often is that answers should be more than just a link. Web pages, web uh, servers change domain names, sites go down, especially, you know, like personal blogs every once in a while. Addresses change, URL schemes change, and links break. Links just stop working. Uh, so one particularly important part of an answer is that if somebody else has uh, external to stack exchange external to ask different has answered a question that's great sources are good references are great but what's even better is taking the specific details and actually leaving them and actually uh, detailing them in your answer that can be that can be a direct quote of a subset of the relevant content it can be uh, rewording it and maybe maybe applying an answer that was almost there and making it 
completely and totally answer the actual question at hand. But the point is, as long as Stack Exchange is around, your question and uh, that question and your answer is going to be there. So put the relevant details in there to help someone instead of making them continue a wild goose chase for, well, this link answers your question. Uh, too bad. The link, the site's gone. Answers that are just a link qualify as not an answer. And if somebody flags it, it, it qualifies for deletion. I try not to delete things just because of that, but I leave a comment and a notice on the post telling people to summarize it. And here's why. But if, if you answer with just a link, you can't, you know, I can't promise that it's going to stay there. And it's also important to make sure that when you are taking information from other sites that you cite it as well. So don't just, don't just copy it in with, and don't put a link. What you can do is what I usually do is I say, you know, so-and-so on this site, and then I put a link to the actual page of, of where I'm getting this this information uh, says that this will work or whatever. Uh, and then I, I will below that put in a quote block, basically just the, um, uh, the, uh, I don't know, the alligator that's jumping to the left. I don't know what you call that. <laughs> um, and, and a space. And then you, you, you type your, your text there and that will put it in a, that's the markdown uh, for a quote block. And so that shows that you are quoting that, particular text from another site it's the same thing that you would see in email composers yes a yes. right angle bracket and a single space and then the contents uh what and then the contents afterwards sorry i just for some reason i mentally reverted to the first grade where the alligator eats a larger number uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it made sense to me I, I think almost everybody's gone through that yeah i got it eventually <laughs> yeah there's a button in the editor too so you don't have to worry about dealing with the alligators yeah and so uh, an example of this that I did recently was there was a question about how to convert all of your music in your iTunes library to the shiny new iTunes match stuff. And I had just seen an article written by Jason Snell on Macworld about how to do it using playlists. And so I didn't take the entire article. I just took a few sentences here and there that, that were the basics of what you needed to do put them in a quote block. And then above that, I said, Jason Snell at Macworld linked to this great article about how to convert your songs to uh, the iTunes match version. And so I, ha- I had the, the, the basic information. I had the, the link to where I got it. And then and, and that's, that's, a, that's good for both citing and then making sure that the uh, information sorry, is, is available on Ask Different in case Macworld, for whatever reason, moves the link or gets rid of it or for some, I don't know. Um, obviously, they, they tend to keep stuff around, but you never know. Yeah, and this is it's it's a pretty understated fact that a lot of Stack Exchange users, uh, when faced with a question, will simply go search the web for the answer, and then will come back with the results all themselves. And there's not there's not always a, a specific expert on the actual content of the question. Actually, that's a really interesting point, Jason. Um, if if you if you ask a question. And then later on, you find the answer to your question. Answer your question. You have the capability of answering your own questions. And this is highly encouraged because if you have, a, if you have this problem, it's likely that someone else will in the future. And it's great to actually document that. I've actually heard of cases where people on Stack Overflow will ask a question uh, you know, at some point, And then years later, they will need the answer to that question again and they will see that they asked that question and they they came up with that answer on stack overflow 
And so it, it helps you, it helps everyone, and it just makes the internet a better place. And the other thing is, just comes up with the Googling thing. If the answer to your problem can be found with a Google search, and it's one of the first results, and it's accessible, there's, don't ask the question on the site. If, if the question is, does the iPhone have a camera? And you Google it, and the Apple website comes up, and it shows that on the features list for the iPhone is a camera, you don't have to ask the question. Even if even if you think it might be a fun question or some, someone, someone else might be wondering the same thing, that's not a case where you should ask the question and answer it yourself. That's closed as general reference. And if you good good rule of thumb for Apple stuff, if you can find it on the Apple website, not in the not necessarily in the support center, but on the Apple product website, it's it's too basic. It's it's not really a question. And there isn't a formal close reason for general reference, but it is encouraged. It it an encouraged reason to flag. And we'll get to flagging later. Yeah, I would say that yes, you know, does the iPhone have a camera? That's that is kind of a general race uh, general reference and a pretty basic question. I th- for me the rule of thumb is are is it is, are you having a problem? Is this a problem that you are having? And if you if if you're just trying to preemptively ask questions like, you know, does the iPhone have a color screen or, you know, how do well, I plug in headphones into my iPhone? I think the 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 point here is that if you ask a question without doing any research yourself first and it turns out that the answer is really obvious. So if if you don't know, you know, you you're considering buying an iPhone and you're not sure if it's got a camera, then if it's something where you could have Googled it yourself and found the answer in 10 seconds, then that that is closed. That's that's definitely it's just not a high quality question. If right. if anyone can answer it with one Google search in ten seconds, then there's not not a reason to clutter the site with it. Right. Yeah. Um, even you know, even if it is an actual question that you have, if it's obvious, then don't ask. It does sort of demonstrate that you again are not putting forth the basic effort to answer your question. But personally, I tend to at least err on the side of well, maybe. For some reason, they just have not come across this before. I don't want to call. I don't know what name of a specific person, um, but there was a prominent Mac Apple person that's been using Apple stuff for decades. Uh, asked a question on our site about changing the lock screen wallpaper and not the home screen wallpaper. And of course, you know if you have if you've been using iOS four, iOS five. You say, well, obviously, this is a very simple question, general reference. But this well, okay. per- <laughs> I, should, I should clarify, not obvious, but easy to find the answer to. And I bet if you Google that, there's not the first result that says, do this, then this, then this, then this. Well, there is now, now that we have the question and the answer in completion on Ask Different. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah, there's sort of a difference between something that generally you shouldn't do and something that we will close the question for. And in general, you really shouldn't ask questions that are easy, but we may not always close them. There, There is kind of that gray area there. And I would say that easy questions are okay, but lazy questions aren't. Yes, I like that. That's, that's succinct. That's powerful. I like it. Easy is good. Oh, lazy is bad. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to voting. I like voting. Voting. In fact, everyone should vote. Everyone should vote more. And on questions. Yes. 
both uh you know for your local constituents or whatever and and on ask different (laughs) (laughs) Um, we are the constituents they're the politicians you had that backwards right i'm sorry you're right Constituents should vote for the politicians. Yes. So voting on Ask Different, there are reputation requirements for voting. Uh, 15, low. Yes, low. Uh, there, you, you need 15 reputation to vote something up, and you need 125 to vote down. And so, Nathan, did you have some basic voting etiquette that you wanted to go over? Sure. Okay. If So, so start with questions. And questions are overlooked, really. People... People don't vote on questions as much as answers. And it's, as a rule of thumb, if you see a question and the question has considerably fewer votes than the answer, then you should upvote. Well, of course, upvote both, but you should, people should be encouraged to upvote the question too, because the, the, the answer can be great, but generally, certainly not always, but generally, if the answer is so valuable that so many people voted up, then there's got to be something of value in the question. So basically, if you're voting on an answer, you should seriously consider voting on the question. If you like, you know, if you like the answer, then the question helped you too. If you answer a question, then you should definitely vote up the question because if you think a question is worth your time answering and you you are actually willing to focus on it for some time, then it deserves, you know, clearly you like it enough that you'll upvote it. We, we've noticed that Ask Different tends to have uh, less voting um, on our site than other Stack Exchange sites, and we're not really sure exactly why, but we are, we're, we're right now, I guess, we're officially encouraging people to vote more. So if you see a good question, vote it up. If you see a good answer, vote it up. You don't have to have the same problem to upvote a question. It can be oh, that's cool, I hadn't thought of doing that, or that, certainly if, I, if you have the same problem, give it an upvote, but it doesn't have to be that. If, if it's valuable, or you like it for, you know, it's, it's pretty broad. If, you, if it improved your Ask Different experience, then you can upvote it. Right. There, I've even just you, found myself lately taking the best practices we just talked about with asking a question, and if the question is asked well for completeness sake, despite, you know, despite any content beyond that, if it's presented well, I'll vote it up right then and there. And you've got, I think, a limit of 40 votes per day, but that, that's higher than it feels like. And generally, even if you vote quite a lot, you're not going to hit the limit. And there's no penalty for hitting the limit. If you hit that limit of 40 votes per day, that's fine. Vote again tomorrow. But it's not don't be ashamed of it i think <laughs> there's even voting. badges for hitting the limit and stuff so it's oh, yeah. a very good yeah, yeah, no, good thing yeah. encouraged so and then for answers etiquette there if the answer helped you upvote it of course if the answer directly answered the question and is a good answer it's clearly presented and there's information and it's correct obviously yeah <laughs> yeah upvote it and Kyle, you, if it's correct, that brings up the point of downvoting. You want to talk about that? Sure. So obviously the, the inverse of an upvote is a downvote. And a downvoting 
basically indicates um, that an answer is incorrect. So if you see an answer and it's just wrong, especially maybe if it's even dangerous, who knows, it's, it's instructing the user to do something that might harm their information or the machine or whatever definitely downvote actually if it, if it is harmful flag it as well but if it's just, if it's just poorly written or if it's incorrect or or anything like that uh leave a comment and downvote um because when you when you see a question uh, i believe the default sort is by votes yeah. so the the good correct stuff should float to the top and the bad wrong stuff should should sink to the bottom and if and, something gets enough downvotes meaning it's probably dangerous or something like that it even gets dimmed out. You can barely read it. Right. And this is actually one of the reasons why Stack Exchange is much better than a forum because I can't tell you how many times I've gone, I, I've Googled for a problem that I've had and I'm it, redirected to Apple's support forum and I'm on like page 13 of 92 and someone's talking about something and it's like, oh wait, they're not actually talking about my, my machine. They've got like this thing in their signature and and it's just very difficult to go in and get exactly what you're what you're looking for um, because there's no sorting, because there's no voting, because there's no way of saying this is a really good piece of information and this is this is bad, this is wrong. And so obviously you should you should only downvote when when it's like a obviously bad. Um if you simply if you simply just disagree with something or if it, or if you're trying to promote your own answer, that's that's not good. To promote your own answer is not acceptable. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if you go through and you answer the question, and you download every, download everyone else. That's yeah, no, not that, good. That's abuse. That's not. <laughs> yeah, but people people have no, been known to do that. Oh yeah, there's actually a badge for upvoting competing answers. Where if you answer a question, yeah, you, and upvote someone else's answer, there's a badge for doing that enough. Yeah. So there are also rep changes. So if you if you vote a question up the author of that question gets an, an additional five year reputation. If you vote an answer up that the author of the answer gets an additional 10 reputation. Uh, if you vote down either a question or an answer, the author of that question or answer uh, loses two reputation and you lose one reputation. If you vote down an answer, you don't lose reputation. If you vote down a question, we actually didn't talk about that. When is it okay to vote down a question? Oh yes. Yes. Nathan, or Jason, actually. <laughs> you haven't talked in a while. Voting down questions are usually reserved for, in my personal situation, I usually reserve those only for things that, again, go back to the basic etiquette. If they if they don't have enough detail to actually come up with any sensible answer, basically, if they force me to comment to say, well, what about this, this, and this, because otherwise your question is too ambiguous, that's a that's a downvoted question or if it's uh particularly if it's if it's just kind of uh this isn't working you know if it's just that one liner if it's that thing that if it's the lazy factor downvoted done and if it's basically if it's a question that you don't want to see on the site it it can get a downvote actually i i would i i would amend that if it's off topic it doesn't necessarily deserve a downvote because people frequently post uh, something that's off topic and it's a good question just not in the right place i don't think that deserves a downvote you know yes they should have read the faqs more carefully but that doesn't generally deserve a downvote which is why when you close some, when you close something as off topic the system doesn't put in an automatic downvote if you close it as low quality or any of the low quality types then it does the system puts in an automatic downvote 
Yeah, actions actions that we can take off topic or improving, perhaps just like the spelling and grammar things that we are that we are capable of taking action on. Uh, yeah, and I say that even as users because uh, I'm not a moderator. Things that we can take action on, recommending to be moved to a different site because it's off topic or what have you, don't generally deserve a downvote. Just let the person know this deserves to be this way for this reason and leave it up to a moderator if it's appropriate for that or hope that the uh, the original poster comes back and actually takes the appropriate action. Uh, but it is just the things, etiquette predominantly, uh, or other just unwillingness, unhelpfulness, things that they didn't provide us that the asker has to provide additional detail on uh, that gets to the realm of considering a downvote. All right, so another area of of things that you can do to a question and an answer uh, is commenting on it. So basically the idea behind comments is to essentially comment on something on, on the actual post. So they're not, they're not designed to have extended conversations. So occasionally you'll see these situations where two people, um, maybe even the person that that made the original post uh, will go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. These, the the commenting system makes this intentionally kind of difficult to do because there's no threading, no anything, formatting, right? Anything, right? And and there's a limited number of characters for each post. I believe anything over five comments on a post, they get automatically hidden, and you only see the top comments by by votes. And if if there is an extended conversation, uh, you the one of the participants will have the option of converting it into a chat conversation. So uh, we'll get to chat later on. Uh, so basically commenting, if you have additional information that you want to associate with a particular answer, or if you want to ask the asker of a question, you know, say you, you say to them, well, could you provide more information about this? Or have you tried this? Those are, those are good comments. Bad, uh, I, I sort of cover the, the bad comments in terms of, uh, of a discussion. There's also for some reason, there's some people that want to answer the question in a comment, uh, mainly because the, the answer may be fairly simple and or, or it may be a, a very basic kind of thing and they, they, for some reason, don't consider it an answer. But if it, if it answers the question, put it as an answer. Or if you make a comment sort of asking, oh, have you tried this? And they say, oh, I didn't try this and that worked. Please put that as an answer to the question. Uh, as well as just sort of write the same thing or or or, or do it again. Um, so that's some some basic uh, commenting stuff. Yeah. And comments comments aren't necessarily supposed to be read by anybody, but the individuals. Again, they're, they're very frequently used for clarification purposes, and they're not supposed to be where you're where other visitors have to skim through in order to catch up on all of the information. Because the principal information on a given question is the question itself. And in most cases, the accept answer, but, uh, accepted answer, but occasionally the list of answers in general that fulfill various uses. And the stuff we said so far applies to questions and answers about comments. And one other thing, people, sometimes people put in kind of chatty comments like, oh yeah, this happened to my friend once and he got super annoyed by it. You don't need to do that. There's, there's no benefit. Just upvote the question. So that, that kind of chatty stuff's not good. And then actually, that's also kind of a me too thing. And frequently, new users will post as an answer, just because this is how things work on other forums. 
yeah, I've got the same problem on my, you know, 21 inch iMac. That's not an answer. You know, of course that doesn't answer the question. So that's, you know, we delete that people flag that, but that shouldn't be a comment either. There's no reason to say I've also got that problem if you do upvote the question. And if you've got extra information, like you've got the same problem and you've tried this, this, and this, and none of them works. So from that, you know that it's probably focused on this area. You could you could add that as a comment. Yeah, I've got the same problem and I've done these tests, so the problem lies in this area. That's extra information. So you can you can put a comment with that. Definitely. And it's also worth noting that comments are they're not they're not as permanent as questions or answers. In fact, if you post a comment, you have no reasonable expectation that that comment will stay around for whatever reason. Now, obviously, the system doesn't go deleting these things automatically, but if there is an extended conversation or someone posts a Me Too or or even if you post like an answer that's really just a co- an answer uh, that's a comment, but that's an, then someone else comes in later and actually posts that comment, posts the same thing as an answer. Or if it's extra information yeah. that somebody rolls into the question as an edit. Right, yeah. So they just, they, oftentimes moderators will go through and clean out comments and delete comments. Yeah, so it's a one button delete, it's not. Yeah, exactly. So if you if you want to actually um, post something meaningful as like an answer to a question, post it as an answer. So that's, that's that. Do we talk about the rep requirement? Oh, yes. So commenting requires, uh, so basically if you ask a question, you can comment on the question and any of the answers in the question. If you post an answer, you can also comment on your own answer to reply to someone that has replied to you. And that does not require any reputation. Uh, but it does require 50 reputation to comment on basically posts that are not your own. So on on questions that are not your own and other people's answers on on questions that aren't your own. It's not it's not a lot, um, but typically we we would find that if 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 we just let anyone comment that people that are, aren't familiar with the system would leave comments because that appears to be the natural way to just continue the conversation as opposed to posting your own answer me two me three me right. four a literal right. message of plus one right um so we do occasionally nathan and i will have to take something that was that was supposed to be a comment but is is legitimate and intended for a specific person and and is otherwise a good comment uh that was posted as an answer by someone because they didn't have the reputation and convert it to a comment we have that capability that's aside from new users posting me too as an answer converting replies or information requests to comments is the single biggest moderation task just in terms of volume yeah so <laughs> um and i guess you know on the flip side if we let anyone comment we'd get all these new users posting me too as comments instead of answers which is slightly less annoying but it would probably be more and more of it well it's to be perfect to be to be perfectly honest this is kind of a side side discussion but i would i would like it if uh, stack exchange allowed anyone to post comments and then allow moderators to convert comments to answers <laughs> because currently we don't have the capability. I think that would probably result in less work than the current system. But you do you get you do get into some gray area there if someone posts something as a comment and then it's converted to an answer and gets downvoted. Who's responsible? That, yeah. it, well, it could be worked out. Well, worked I think out. if you if you post an answer as a comment, you 
you you sort of take that responsibility that you're actually answering that the question. I unless you put something up that you're not sure about or is you don't think it's a complete answer. That's that's one of the types of comments you see if somebody's got one idea but hasn't tested it. That sort of thing. Well, that's why you make uh, converting to answers a moderator thing. So ultimately, right. we yeah. we we would be accountable. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably not in terms of the strict reputation count, but uh, we would yeah. be accountable in the sense that uh, we would only do it in the situations where it was clearly appropriate to do so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, before we move on from comments, you can vote on comments, but only up, and it's that's pretty undefined for when you do that. But if you agree with a comment then vote it up that's that's really the only the only rule right uh or i mean we did mention that occasionally that we you do get a lot of comments on a question and uh if you vote up a comment it will the 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 top rated comments will appear uh below the question and and there'll be a little little thing to get the the rest of them so if, if it is an important comment you can vote it up and help ensure that it stays pinned to the question uh rather pinned to the post so another another thing that we can do on ask different is we can edit so this is kind of the wikipedia like aspect of ask different and pretty much anyone can edit uh you can go to any post on on any of the sites and hit the edit button and edit if you don't have 2000 or more reputation on the site that you're on and the post is not a community wiki post your edit will go into an edit queue and higher reputation users and moderators can go into the queue and either approve or reject your edit. But it's, it's really fantastic that anyone can edit. So I think that it's worth going through a little bit of, you know, what, when should you edit versus comment and um, what, what kind of edits are appropriate and not appropriate. Did you want to go over that a little bit, uh, Jason? Edits are something that can be particularly tricky because the most important rule of editing is that you do not change the original intent of the question. Uh, you don't you don't draw these correlations like we were talking about where, oh, well, this is complementary data. Uh, this is complementary information to the question. You don't really want to edit that in because it's not necessarily true of the asker situation in the first place. So there's two there's two very big differences in editing. The first one is the obvious general cleanup. For people that are not native English speakers, you can do a lot to help uh, make their make their question a lot more comfortable to English uh, primary English speakers and actually make it easier to read better grammar, uh, better clarification. Again, keeping in mind that don't don't pick a word, don't pick a synonym that actually winds up changing the meaning. Try to preserve as much as possible and just do a, do a grammar and a spelling once over. There are times where you can actually make contributions to the original content of the question, and that's generally limited to things like uh, additional resources, like if they're talking about if they're talking about the the special debug menu for disk utility, I don't know a single person that's ever enabled that, including myself. And if there's a there's a lion recovery partition question, adding in a screenshot of what the debug menu actually looks like can help someone to actually get the information they need without actually having to go through the paces itself. Like what is what does this option mean? 
extended information that a new menu would provide that would would make sense to somebody who understands the function but may have never actually seen the menu firsthand. Is that a hypothetical example or is that a real thing, the debug menu? in? Uh... It's, an, it's an actual thing. It, Disk Utility on Lion by default does not show the Lion recovery partition. Uh, and if you enable the debug menu, you can forcibly show all partitions. I Namely I the Lion recovery that. partition. Yeah. That, the more you know, I guess. Like, you learn <laughs> something every day. Yeah, that is that that is a really really interesting uh, and and, and definitely a, a, a positive use case for editing. And not not everything needs a screenshot, but frequently it can help clarity and help people get an idea of the question quickly. Yeah. Also, you know, if you if you we we've discussed um, asking a question and providing too little information, and, and we and we say, oh, make sure that there's enough detail and stuff. There's also the problem where you have like these giant boom wall of text questions, and editing can help break them up into something that's a little more readable. Um, so big wall of text questions or answers or whatever, uh, you can you can go through and if something's uh, like a, a, a step in, instead of having like a, a big paragraph um, with a sentence or two for each step, you can break those out into their own little uh, uh, numbered bullets or, or whatever, you know, add some screenshots, um, make it so that it's easy to sort of scan it and get an idea of, of, of what you have to do uh, without having to, you know, sit down and, uh, and, and plan two or three hours to uh, to read the entire contents. <laughs> yeah, the happy medium is very true of everything we're saying here. There is there is not enough information, and there is very easily way too much information. You post a giant crash log as the first part of your question. <laughs> people people, people <laughs> and, aren't going to put the question at the bottom, which is yeah, three people aren't going to get your question. Yeah. They're going to see this wall of crash log and leave. Yeah, generally, I mean. I, I, I sympathize with people that um, are, are are having problems and stuff is crashing on them, but to be honest... Crash logs go to developers. That information yeah. for, for somebody, even even if they're very knowledgeable of the application you're using, not down to the function level, not down to the code level. Crash logs go to developers and details and steps and uh, reproducing the issue or workarounds that you don't want to do, that detail goes to other users like us. Right, right. I mean, you know, you, you try to help them, but I mean, it's like, well, A, I, I didn't write this offer, so I have no idea. And B, you really want me to look at these 150 lines of uh, assembly backtraces and figure out exactly what happened? Um, sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, so we mentioned also that... Uh, on on asking a question the uh, the benefits of tagging a question well and you can also in addition to editing the content of a question you can edit the tags so if you see a question that's poorly tagged feel free to add some better tags in there that really takes just a few seconds and it can really improve the questions visibility and search results and on the home page with people's ignored tags and favorite tags and that's that's one of the simplest things you can do to help a help a question's odds of getting answered. Yeah, and tags also have uh, tag wikis. So for every tag, if you click on it, there it has a little page, and there is a little description of what this tag is. 
And this is used in various places. If you go to the tags page of Ask Different, you can see the little descriptions next to each of the tags. And if you are entering tags on the question, you will see both the tag and the little bit of a description. So those are actually... over. Yeah, yeah. So those are actually all editable. And if you click on a tag, you'll see a spot to edit. So if you see a tag that doesn't have a tag wiki, uh, feel free to... uh, edit it and and submit it or if it just doesn't have a complete one right right exactly something i'll be completely honest about is that i've done a couple of tag wiki edits lately and some of them it's mostly because they're not exactly on topic for ask different but they're they exist on ask different by uh, related questions like steam when steam finally came out for mac the the steam tag got a little bit of use and in all honesty, what I did was I went over to Stack Exchange Gaming and I looked up their Steam tag uh, tag wiki description and I brought it over to Ask Different and it was a, it was a it was a perfectly usable description. So why not? That's fine. You know it it it's not you don't get reputation for for making tag wikis and you don't get reputation when people use those tags, but it really helps people and it helps the quality of the site. And one of the biggest areas with th- where that happens is where you're asking the when, when you're when people are asking a question, the little tag chooser starts suggesting tags, and it shows the tag wiki, the the tag wiki ep- excerpt. There's two parts. There's the full full wiki and the little excerpt, which should be a few lines. And so it shows that excerpt when people are asking a question, and that helps them choose tags. So it's it's you know it's not as rewarding as getting the two rep bonus when someone approves your your uh, post-edit suggestion, but it is really valuable. Also, just one one minor comment on tag, tag wikis. Back when they were first created, I noticed that a lot of people were editing the description to say questions about this. So if it was the OS ten question, OS ten tag, it was questions about Mac OS ten, And you should really avoid using the the phrase questions about or questions relating or, or, or stuff like that, because the only things that tags can be on is questions. So just, just, <laughs> just describe what it actually is and don't say this is for questions about this. And, and in general, avoid saying, well, this tag should be only used for questions about, you know, iOS directly and not iOS apps or, you know, just, just say what it is. Don't say how it should be used. Sometimes I think it is valuable to put a little warning in there. Like, some t- we've got tags on the site, the Xcode tag, the Objective-C tag. Very, very occasionally, there's a legitimate question that uses those. Almost all of them are programming questions that are off-topic. So what I did is I went around and I found the Objective-C and the Xcode and whatever the common developer tags are, and I put just a little one-line warning. Programming questions are off-topic, see the FAQs. And I think I think that's okay. If it's really a tag that's really almost always used for stuff that's off topic or, or for stuff that's bad in any way, or it's just in general, the tag is frequently misused. I think it's all right to put a little warning. Sparingly, I guess. Um, if, if, if we don't, if we're not careful, we will get situations where the tag descriptions will almost be uh, overrun by, well, this tag should only be used in these circumstances. Sure. You yeah. Know. And, and for something like the iOS versus iOS apps, there's no reason to to worry about that because if you're asking about iOS apps, you're also asking about iOS. And most tags, you know, even if it's mistagged, it's not a big deal. Retagging is easy. But for something where 
if you're asking a question with this tag, it's probably off topic. I think it's safe to do. Yeah, I think that I think that's okay. And there are and some and, and so just in, for editing in general, not just tag editing, but for editing in general, uh, for the most part, I approve edits. Usually, the edits are are constructive and and benefit the question. Uh, but occasionally, we have to reject edits. Nathan, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, the the interface for approving or rejecting edits, which is available to moderators or any user with, I think, 10,000 rep. The, the reasons for rejection are plagiarized content. So if you've copy and pasted from some other website, admittedly, this is hard to catch. But if you, know, if, if you do see that, that, that edit is rejected. Uh, invalid. So that means that it's either an incorrect edit. So you're adding information that's not right or that doesn't agree with the rest of the question or you're trying to reply like i've seen generally anonymous users they they edit the question to say this does not work don't do this that's a that, you know that's a reply that's not editing the question so we have to reject that and then radical change so that's where you change too much and generally that means you've changed the meaning so if you rewrite the whole thing and maybe you're doing this because you actually have a different question and you want you want to drive traffic to it or just because you misunderstand well that's not what editing's for editing is for improving the existing question it's not for asking new questions that's like going to wikipedia and seeing the the page for i don't know new york city and saying you know i really want this page to be about washington dc instead yeah <laughs> it's, the, not, it's yeah. not what you do and then to minor this one's interesting there's been some discussion on metastack overflow about whether or not that should even exist and generally i approve minor edits if if it's an edit where it's just capitalizing or it's just putting the title in the form of a question and adding information there or it's just changing the tags i don't think that that should be rejected there's no reason to reject that and so i I tend to approve those even if it's small and i think it's mainly there to keep people from changing one letter like somebody forgot to capitalize i one time you would i reject that edit well maybe but i don't really see why somebody took the time to fix it and so i may as well at least push the fix well i i can sort of see why because people do get reputation from submitting edits. yeah so that's that's it's just to keep people from and definitely if it's somebody who's trying to get hit the rep cap every day by submitting 100 little tiny edits then yeah get them to stop but if it's the occasional put the and put the title in the form of a question i think it's okay yeah if if we if we go to the uh submitted ed- edits page and we see there's a hundred new edits and it's all by one user oh yeah and they're just changing like one thing in each thing you know that's kind of that's kind of trying to abuse the system a little bit um but for in the, in the general case if if an edit improves the question i will approve it so me yeah. too, because it's actually <laughs> it's actually two thousand rep users. When you can start editing without the, without having to go through the steps of approval, they can also push edits through as well. Oh, really? That okay. were submitted by other users. Uh, yeah, yeah. I oftentimes uh, I'll if I'm busy, I'll just go through the mod queue, and I won't even bother with this suggested edits queue because I know there are other users out there that can go through those and and make those determinations. Mm-hmm. And the workload is about you know frequently. When you come to the site, the numbers on average are similar between the suggested edits to approve and the flags to handle. 
So that's, you know, and there's definitely more people editing than flagging. So it just balances very well. Yep. So enough of the, the happy stuff. Let's, <laughs> let's get into the more sinister. Well, I wouldn't say it's sinister. I would say when... Severe is a better... Well, when, when, when other people don't follow the guidelines that we have previously expounded on. So there are, there are basically two avenues that you can, um, you, you can approach uh, uh, for, for a question. And the, the first is closing. And there are a number of closed reasons. They are exact duplicate. Uh, this question covers exactly the same ground as earlier questions on this topic. Its answers may be merged with another identical question. Not a real question. Uh, it's difficult to tell what's being asked here. This question is ambiguous, vague, overly broad, incomplete, or rhetorical, and cannot be reasonably answered in its current form. Uh, not constructive. This question is not a good fit for our question and answer format. We expect answers to generally involve facts, references, or specific expertise. This question will likely solicit opinion, debate, arguments, or extended discussion, and too localized, which is this question is unlikely to ever help any future visitors. It is only relevant to a small geographic area, a specific moment in time, or an extraordinarily narrow situation that is not generally applicable to the worldwide audience of the internet. I love that description. <laughs> that's a, that's quite a description. I, I remember the, the stack exchange podcast where they were going through, um, I exactly had a word that because Joel and Jeff didn't quite agree on exactly what should be considered too localized. So it's kind of interesting to see what was uh, produced there. Uh, so those are the basic, uh, basic close reasons. And we encourage people to have those. I believe I don't even know how much reputation is required to close a question. Do you, does anyone know off the top of your head? Two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. So anyone that has over two thousand reputation, uh, we encourage you to use these the, the feature to close. So when you go to a question, it's right there in the uh, in the menu along with edit and and those other things, and you can select one of these reasons. And if you get five of those uh, votes on a specific question, it's closed by the community. And if a moderator comes and finds it, and they close it, then it's closed by the moderator and anyone who voted to close it. Right. Exactly. And and the other thing is that it if you if enough people vote to close something, but even if uh, it doesn't get to five, it shows up in the moderator little tools dashboard. So I I tend to go through that as frequently as I can and just see, you know, oh this one has three close votes and yes it is off topic, just not not quite enough people saw it. So I'll go and go through those. Yeah. This will be more useful when we when we actually have more people with over two thousand rep. We're slowly getting there. We we've got you know I've I've seen more and more questions be closed by five non moderator community members, and that's great. That is yeah. There was a meta see. question a while ago: Can the community close questions? And that was asked recently, after, shortly after we graduated, so not relevant anymore. But still, kind of well, I guess not not current anymore, but still kind of relevant. Yeah. <laughs> So what are, what are some examples of why we would close uh, as these different reasons? So Nathan, in what circumstances would we close something as an exact duplicate? If it's the same question as an existing question. So that doesn't mean that the answers are the same. There, there can be different, this is a little like the XY problem. If they're the same answer to different questions, it's okay. They can stay. There's, there, there's no reason to close one of them as a duplicate of the other because sometimes the same thing solves multiple problems. A duplicate is where somebody says, how can I open Windows Media Audio files in QuickTime? 
And then a month later, someone else asks the same thing. That's a duplicate. Or even if the same person asks the same thing, <laughs> yeah. which... And, yeah. and not a duplicate is if someone asks... Okay, so the answer to that question would be install Perian, the QuickTime components plugin thingy that lets you play anything. And so then somebody else later could ask, how can I play a whatever Sony proprietary video format? I'm making that up. But, and so then the same solution would be install Perian, but that's not a duplicate question. That's the same answer, but a different question. And somebody right. looking somebody looking for the answer to one problem is not going to find that other question because it's a different problem. So those two can stay open. Definitely, yeah. So Jason, what would you consider not a real question? Putting me on the spot here. I am. Probably the best example is things that don't... It, that just clearly don't actually have a question attached. These are predominantly limited to things that are just kind of uh, ranty. Why doesn't, why doesn't this exist? Why doesn't that work? But asked in a rhetorical manner, things that are pretty obvious. Well, with what, uh, in windows, when I click the maximize button, it fills the whole screen. When I click the green button in Safari, it only fills the vertical and just something, something of very ranty nature. Isn't that annoying? Yeah. Yeah. Is it, isn't that annoying questions are probably the, the perfect tagline to apply to that. If, if, if your last line in the question is, starts with does anyone else or isn't this then it's a rhetorical question and you're not focusing on what you want to achieve you're just looking for an outlet for your your rant this is this is one of those situations that can kind of go both ways because a lot of rhetorical questions generally have information inside of them that turns it into it turns it into a salvageable question and if you can edit it to do so great if it's something that's just straight up rant uh the trolling or what have you something that's out there to oh just in the name of information well we're, we're not here for information for the sake of information we're here for resolving problems and presenting both sides of the coin this is the problem and this is how you overcome it and when you have something that doesn't allow you to fulfill that then it deserves to be closed and the other the other kind of side of not a real question is if there's not enough information to answer the question if somebody's got an actual problem but they're not going to tell you what it is <laughs> then we can't answer it and frequently there's no reason to close that right away uh you can you can leave a comment and if they they answer with more information or edit their post that's fine but if you know if you do that and they don't fix it then you can close it well okay so so the text the text of the the reason for that is ambiguous vague incomplete overly broad and cannot reasonably be answered in its current form that's that's where you know, we can't help you. Sorry. Yeah, this is sort of my catch-all for people that haven't put in the uh, sufficient amount of effort for to answer their questions. Just there's not enough here. People have asked you for clarification. You're not coming back. Sorry, your question is being closed. Overly broad. I mean, that, that's the that's the key term right there. Yeah, and incomplete and vague and ambiguous. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I'll take uh, not constructive. I think the classic example of this would be. There was a, on Stack Overflow uh, a few years ago, there was a programmer cartoon question. It was like, post your favorite programmer cartoon. And everyone went in and they posted their their, their favorite Dilbert or Foxtrot or whatever. And you know, everyone had a good laugh. Uh, but that's not really a, that's not a programming question. And we ask different 
catches a little bit of a flack, a little bit of flack uh, from other sites because we do allow some of these questions. Uh, what's called the, the community wiki format, where um, a lot of our users may have seen, you know, what little things in Lion and iOS five uh, made you smile or catch you off guard. These these questions we believe uh, are generally of interest and are uh, applicable to the, the the audience of our site. Uh, as well as being informative, but for the most part, if you if you start a question like, "What is your favorite?" Um, I don't know. So I don't remember if this is a specific example, but I think it has a good opposite of what's actually informational to actually provide value to somebody. Would be a community wiki question of something along the lines of, "What Mac apps?" get rid of the the toolbar of an application uh and the obvious answer here would be the recent changes to the twitter mac app uh they they don't have something that could generally be called the toolbar they don't have the 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 chrome the bar chrome where tabs or any other element would be in and then the close minimize and maximize buttons knowing what knowing that these applications do that doesn't tell you anything specific and it's not you could use it as a recommendation maybe for inspiration of designing an app but that's pretty highly off topic to ask different Uh, i I will say straight out that the things that i particularly like about the the uh little things in line and little things in ios questions especially with the ios ones is that it's a specific realm it's a specific domain when you say what little thing in ios 5 was of interest in the general sense you are talking about one of three things an iphone an ipad or an ipod and nothing else and these are these are small devices in the sense in the, the literal size of them um, but also in the the scope of the realm, nobody's going to ask how do I view pictures on iOS because there's an app that's plastered right on your home screen when you get it. There's photos, but the benefit that the little thing in iOS five question has is how many people would think that when you're in the camera application, a lot of people see the little photo roll button in the bottom left, but how many people would think to swipe at the camera canvas and instantly have access? to your photo roll. That's not something that would be traditionally asked, but has huge benefit to making things that much quicker, that much easier. Definitely. And so just sort of bringing it around to closing, this is, again, it's kind of a subjective thing. Closing something is not constructive. We try to make sure that it is something that is educational and has a broad appeal uh, so it's not something that's too localized or anything like that. And most most of those questions are closed. You see, you know, you do see plenty of of uh, that kind of question on the site where it's a list, poll, whatever. But there are a lot more that are closed than are kept. So if you, unless you're really sure that your listy question is it meets all these these good characteristics, then mm, I wouldn't generally right. avoid right right yeah and so our final close reason is too localized nathan <laughs> <laughs> too localized means that it's not going to help anyone else and so if you've got a question where you say i've got a uh, what's an example i don't know i've got the bose whatever speaker system 
and it got eaten partway by some mice. And so if I so I, I fixed it by uh, taping over the hole that the mice ate, and then I'm connecting it to my Mac. But and it worked fine for a week. But then all of a sudden, one of the speakers on the top left, the uh, the driver on in the middle there, kind of got this little fuzzy sound to it. Yeah, that's not. No one else has that problem. That's right. Not gonna, yeah, that's that's <laughs> not going to help anyone. <laughs> that was a very specific example. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's you know that's an extreme example. And they could be too localized. Can be as simple as this is a bug in some pre-release software that's going to get fixed. So it's not going to be you know someone looking at the question three months later. Oh, what bug? You know that that's too localized, and that's really why we don't allow questions about pre-release software. Partly because of the NDA and the legal stuff, but mostly because any question about pre-release software is likely to be too localized since things change quickly. And also, um, if 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 it is a bug in in some software, even if it's released software and the bug is later fixed, um, and and someone says, "Hey, you know, this question, you know, this was actually a bug and it's been fixed," you know, we'll we'll actually go yeah. and uh, you know, sort of close retroactively. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So this sort of moves us on to the other thing that you can do for both questions and answers um, when uh, when they they really don't belong on the site, and that's flagging. And so I guess I'll ask our, our resident non-moderator on the podcast, how, how do you flag, Jason? Well, flagging is something that actually exists on everything that we've brought up so far. There is the text flag link on questions and answers. And even over comments, there's a little flag icon that you can click, which will uh, illuminate after you've submitted it, so on and so forth. Um, flagging is obviously very user-specific, and it's used to get moderator attention for a generally timely or very specific reason. The In a nutshell, you can go to the close interface uh, from Flag, so we've obviously covered all of those reasons, but everything else is just more general and usually a bit more freeform than these specific definitions like close reasons have. The first and default reason is that it needs moderator attention, and the two immediate options available to you are very low quality because only moderators uh, that would get those flag notices can come in and actually completely delete content. Uh, but the other reason is just a freeform text box that allows you to fill anything in. A question that is of good quality but turns out being off topic can be flagged for to be moved to a different site. Uh, yes, if if something does belong on another site, and especially if you are an asker of a question and and you decide that you you would like it moved, you can flag it for uh, Diamond Moderator attention. Just type in something in the in the text box, and we'll just send it over to where it belongs. Uh, I do want to just sort of say that uh, what makes a good flag is if instead of just saying what's wrong with the question, you say you you sort of suggest to the moderators uh, an action that could be taken. So instead of saying, oh, this is a very low quality, say this should be deleted or this should be converted to a comment or this is a duplicate of this question and you provide a link. Now, obviously... Uh, there's also the closed dialog box where you can specify the uh, the duplicate questions. Um, so if flagging as a duplicate really uh, is only beneficial if it needs to be closed uh, in a timely fashion. But uh, I, I, as a moderator, I generally I generally um, like the flags that 
suggest an action to be done, not necessarily because I feel bound by what they tell me what to do, but because it shows that the person that did the flagging thought about what actions a moderator could possibly take on this item. Because sometimes you'll get something, you'll get a, some a, something, someone flag something, and there's really no action that you can take. It's because it's not it's not strictly off topic. It's not really it's not really incomplete or it's just it, it's it's not necessarily a great question which is why they're flagging it but there's not there's not anything that uh, that a moderator could necessarily do about it and i'm guilty of those i admit I, oh yes when it, whenever uh whenever something's just kind of like below all of those bars that it seems like it shouldn't really be around i've i'll be the first one to admit that i flagged a couple of those and the flag's been declined because there's no specific action yeah it's generally under the average but that doesn't mean that it just needs to disappear or anything of the sort i think sometimes especially if you're a less experienced user if you see a problem but don't know exactly how to fix it it's okay to flag without a specific reason as long as it is something that needs attention and i don't i don't get mad when somebody flags without suggesting anything that's the majority of flags the only time where it's it's a little and <laughs> more than a little annoying is if someone says this is a duplicate, and that's all they don't and doesn't say what it is yeah. a duplicate. It's like, well, okay, so I'll search, but even you know, if uh, I'll search, but if I can't find something that looks like an exact duplicate in maybe a minute or two, I tend to just you know decline the flag because I I didn't see any duplicate. If you think it's a duplicate, why don't you tell me what it's a duplicate of? That's that's a little a little annoying. So if, if yeah, generally, if, it, if you've just got a hunch that it's a duplicate and it's been asked before, you know, you think it seems familiar, unless you can find that question that's a duplicate, you shouldn't flag it because if you can't find the question, then a moderator probably can't either. And if you're just yeah. being lazy and don't want to look for the question, come on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really, really, if you think this should go away, but you, you're not going to do the little search yeah and when we're when we're going through those flag lists and we've got like 10 or 12 other flags that we have to do and it, oh this is a duplicate I'll, I'll and there's no link i'll go to the question see if someone's tried to close it as a duplicate or if someone's posted the duplicate in the comments if if there's something there and there's no indication that this question is a duplicate or that this person has asked this the, the person asking the question has asked this question like an, the exact copy before i'll just you know uh, sorry I, I can't find any evidence of this and this sort of gets us into the realm of declining flags so most of the time flags are helpful um and we'll, we'll mark them as such but occasionally either the flag either a moderator can't find any evidence of what you're flagging or um yes you you may what you say may be true but there's nothing a moderator can do about it and so in the case of for example uh, a lot of people uh will flag an incorrect answer they'll come and they'll say this answer is incorrect and unfortunately well in or- in order to make sure that moderators don't constantly have to be judging the validity of answers there's a general policy that says that we that we don't take action on a flag simply because an answer is 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 wrong and the the recommend instead of flagging what we recommend for users to do is to download the post and put a comment on the post explaining why the answer is wrong but by and large uh, if if the answer is wrong please don't flag because there's nothing that we can do about it if it's if it's dangerous if somebody you know whether or not they're trolling if somebody says the solution to that is to give your computer a bath, then 
if yeah, if you can flag it and we'll delete it. If yeah. if it's obviously harmful or dangerous, then there's you know there's no reason to keep that. Or if if it's subtly dangerous, you know, in the flag, say, well, this may corrupt the file system data for uh, other disks or something like that. Just yeah. tell us tell us why this might be a problem. Uh, the more information you can give us in the flag, the the the, the better we can act on it. In truth, moderators. We, we don't know all the answers to all the questions on the site. So if some, you know, we, we can't look at an answer and automatically say, this is, this, this is wrong. This is right. We, you know, frequently we are at the same level as the users in terms of ability to ask an answer, well, not right. ask ability to answer. And so we mentioned that in addition to providing like a textual thing, um, the also, there's also the option of flagging something is very low quality and you should you should only be flagging this flagging something as very low quality. This sort of code for I believe this should be deleted, because if you flag something that's very low quality but that needs some editing, you know, come on, edit it yourself. <laughs> Kyle, you, well, well, I'm just saying that. Um, yeah. So so when you when when you flag as very low quality, make sure that it's something that that, that can be deleted. Otherwise, if it's just something that needs to be edited into shape. I, I suggest, I strongly suggest that, that you do it um, instead of flagging. Editing is very easy to do. And the thing is, there are many, many, many users of Ask Different. And there are, depending on how active moderators, some moderators are, uh, but currently between two and three moderators on Ask Different. Two. Um, <laughs> currently yeah, two. there's currently two active moderators on Ask Different, Nathan and myself. And that's plenty. It's it's not yeah. you know it's it's not it's not like right. we get one flag a day a piece, but it's it's not like we're overwhelmed, right? I mean, yeah. it's perfect. It's perfectly manageable as long as people realize that if they can if they can fix the problem, if they can edit, if they can close instead of constantly you know using the mo- the, the moderator flag feature, that that helps us reduce the amount of work that can only be done by the two of us our t- our time is as valuable as yours and if you right you can do it yourself we appreciate it yes definitely but uh, sort of backing off that a slightly if there's a problem and for some reason you can't edit it or close it or whatever um, but you want to let us know of it you can flag so i'm saying if you if you, if if you can't do if at all possible edit it close it whatever do do what you can without flagging but if it needs attention and you can't take action for whatever reason please do flag it just because they're the moderators does not mean that there's no actionable steps that we as users can take yeah that that makes sense and so flagging you um if you if you flag something and it's marked as helpful it will increase your flag weight if you flag something and it's uh, marked as uh, not helpful, uh, it will decrease your flag weight. I suggest that most people not pay too much attention to your flag weight, and especially don't get discouraged if some of your flags get declined. All we're doing when we're declining a flag is we're trying to educate the people that are flagging about exactly what what should and shouldn't be flagged or, or whether or not a moderator can actually act on a specific uh, flag. And so please, I, I know for, there have been some cases where 
someone will have flagged a few things and I'll ha- unfortunately have to decline a, a few of them. They'll say, well, obviously I don't, I don't understand flagging. I'm not going to do it anymore. Please, please don't do that. Uh, we, we appreciate flags. Please view the whole flag weight thing and, uh, the, the declining and, and marking as helpful of your flags as an educational experience and not, we're not downvoting. Right. Right. Even though there is there is a number attached to it, we look at all the flags. All all the flag weight does, it basically um, it, it all it does is affect where the flag appears in the list of flags on very busy sites. So in Stack Overflow, there might be hundreds of flags, and what this does is this means that people that have a very high flag weight. Uh, their their flags go sort of towards the top it it's basically just just a way for um moderators to pick off the easy stuff first and then uh, or or the important stuff first and then work on the later stuff but we look at all the flags and we really do and there's no other detriment to having a, a low low flag weight and it's um, it's not bound to rep it's not bound to privileges there's there is a couple badges for high flag weight but it's not it's it's not like upvotes and downvotes. It's not you shouldn't get too competitive and you shouldn't get discouraged if we lower if that number goes down. Right. And and also when I when I do decline a flag, very often I will try to provide a custom message cuz cuz moderators can provide a custom message. So I try to provide a custom message that says, you know, well, okay, this answer may be wrong, but I can't do anything about it or, you know, I I don't really see how this is what you flagged it as or or stuff like that. So, it's um it, it's a learning experience, that's all it is. So another another place to learn about Ask Different is the meta site, meta.askdifferent.com. And that's where it's it's basically a Stack Exchange site. So same same engine, same design for the most part, but it's questions not about Apple, but about Ask Different. So if you've got a question about how something works or why something works or there was a a situation on the main site that you don't you're not sure how to handle or you've got a feature request or a bug report or anything like that or just want to have a discussion about how the site works or any of the the uh the features of the site you can ask a question on meta and that's that's really the main channel for talking about the site itself yeah um so obviously if you if you're having problems, you know, bugs that you see because Stack Exchange does change uh the the company does change the uh the the system quite a bit. So there's always little things that you can find. You can post them there. Um design issues, Jin will come along and and if there are any design issues, he'll he'll come out come around and fix them. Uh but also if you have ideas uh, for um just like community building kind of things. Um for example, uh, we're currently talking about doing an answer-a-thon. So the the, the basic idea is that um, we are going to try to promote people to answer some some questions that uh, we've had on our site for a while that haven't gotten any answers, but uh, seem to be visited, you know, periodically by people from the internet or or, or elsewhere. And so we want to try to feature some of these questions and get some answers. So we're we're going to be coordinating this on our meta site. And and if you have ideas for stuff like that, please by all means post them there and and participate there and and keep an eye on on the meta site because that's sort of the uh, uh, the the pulse of how the how the site actually operates. I should correct myself. Meta.askdifferent.com doesn't work. Meta.apple.stackexchange.com. Right. Yeah. 
I've got my Chrome automatic completion, so I don't even think about what the actual URLs are. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> oh, and and it, voting on the meta site is slightly different in that if you are downloaded on the meta site, it's, it's not that you have posted a bad question or answer. It's just that people are disagreeing with what you've posted. So you might say, I, I think that, you know, um, we should change the site topic to exclude Mac questions. And, you know, other people might understandably say, um, well, I kind of like the Mac questions and, and downvote you. And also, in addition to the meta site, we we also have chat rooms. So if if you want to actually interact with other members of the site, uh, not in the strict question and answer format, but you just want to chat with them, go to chat.stackexchange.com. Our, 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 our chat rooms are there. You can also access them with a chat link at the top of Ask Different. Uh, there's a general Ask Different one. There's one for planning for the blog. Uh, there's one for planning for the answer-a-thon. So, and I, I will try to um, have a tab open and, and be in there um, as much as possible. And I, I, I presume that uh, Jason and Nathan will as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have a handful of regular users in that chat room, and it's not—it's—it's it's by no means uh, supposed to be top purely topic oriented. It's a chat room; people are going to get off topic, uh, and and it's it's chat. It's it's chat, real time chat between our community. So it's whatever we're talking about. A couple of ground rules that are particularly pertinent is that um, on its own, it's generally not as nice to ask questions in chat because that's that's what the site's for, and don't detract from that. Having said that, because the traditional Stack Exchange Q&A system is not discussion-oriented, and as Kyle mentioned earlier, if there's a particular heavy back and forth between commenters, you will get a let's continue this in chat link, and that will set up a chat room for the two of you, move all of the comments into it, and if you really have to really drill deep into a conversation to figure out what's going on, that option becomes available to you. Um, but leave, leave, leave the detail, leave the questions, leave the answers on the site. Chat room is for our community and is for us. And, you know, blah. the line right. is drawn. Yeah. And, and also uh, like, like Jason said, doesn't necessarily have to be on topic. In fact, Generally there is no, isn't. there's no, there, there is no specific topic. Uh, it's just for the members of our site. Now, granted, Obviously, if you're going to gather a few people from an Apple site, there there are certain things that they may talk about. But really, we can talk about anything. And if you want to just come and say hi, just say hi, and and you know we'll probably respond if we're in there. The chat rooms are where you get to know the members of the community. It's you know it's not really for question and answer. It's not really for serious discussion about anything in particular. The the general room isn't. But it's where you get to know the people who are asking your questions, or you get to know the, your moderators. So if, if, if you're interested in figuring out kind of who the actual personalities on the site are, that's where, that's where you can actually meet people for real, you know, for internet real. Definitely. In fact, I believe it was uh, in, a, in a chat room that I first started uh, talking about doing a uh, the Ask Different podcast, and I, I met these two clowns. So, <laughs> <laughs> just goes to show. 
And so finally, just one last topic briefly is the Ask Different blog. And this was created a few months ago. And you can find it at uh, apple.blogoverflow.com. There's also a blog link at the bottom of Ask Different. And if there's a new post for, I believe, 24 hours after the post goes live, there will also be a blog link at the top of Ask Different as well. Uh, So you can easily access the blog there. We are looking for contributors to the blog. So Nathan or or Jason, I'm not sure one of you can can jump in and and indicate uh, what what would make a, a good blog post. Jason, do you want to talk about this or should I? No. Okay. A good blog post doesn't really fall into any different series of uh, details than everything we've covered so far. You're you're here to convey information. You're more than welcome to present it in a QA for Q and A format in the sense of, well, here's the question I have, and here's the problem that I have, and then here's how I wound up solving it. It can be it can be a culmination of topics from the site. It can be drilling down deep into the details and intricacies of a particular topic on the site or not. Um, the blog is there to convey additional information regarding our topics, but generally from the community, whether that's literally questions that have been asked previously or not, just something generally Apple-oriented that's of interest. Yeah, uh, it could be uh, about Apple, or it could be about the site, or it doesn't even necessarily strictly have to be something that would be like a fit those those rigid criteria of what would be a, an odd topic question of the site uh, you for example you you might want to write like a, a nice blog post about uh beginning ios development or something like that so it, the 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 topics the set is not as rigid as it is for ask different so if you have an idea of something that you want to post there please get in touch with us um you can do that through the chat room, through the meta, um, or you can just email us. Um, my email address and Nathan's email address are in our profiles on Ask Different. So if you have something that you would like to post there, um, we would be really uh, interested uh, in, in having it up there. And uh, we're looking for getting the blog really on its feet in 2012 and, and perpetually posting stuff. And as we talked about last episode, the Chaos team and generally the Stack Exchange company itself went to the Grand Central Station opening of uh, of the new Apple Store, and they just posted a little bit of media. They covered a little bit about the fact that the individual Chaos uh, member was coming from a droid and wound up picking him picking up an iPhone 4S. Um, Nathan's posted his comparisons of his local Apple and Microsoft store, and it's. It, it's it's apple oriented and exactly as kyle said it's not you are not allowed to talk about programming here it's apple oriented and information conveying whatever that means to you talk about it write up a draft talk to us about publishing it and we'll take it from there and the blog post is a place that we're open to experimenting we're we're not gonna we're not gonna look at your your draft and say this is off topic sorry right you know chances are unless it's unless it's hard to understand or something we're not going to say we can't run this yeah with with certain restrictions um, i mean as long as long as it's related yeah so it can't be something completely out there but yeah my suggestion is sort of run your idea by us first um but it's very likely that we'll be interested in doing that and and we we may ask you to revise certain aspects of some posts just to sort of get the the um I don't know the the quality or or up to the, up to the the a certain standard or to to 
have a certain style of writing consistent throughout the site. But, but it, yeah, it's for the most part, it's very um, open and, and, and welcome for people to, uh, to contribute. Yeah. And a point, uh, perhaps a point also to make is that blogs are something that exists on a handful of Stack Exchange sites, not automatically every single one. So there is, there is topic overlap that we may uh, suggest in a different location. Uh, this podcast was actually born out of the super user blog primarily uh, as far as being published on the Stack Exchange network. So there, there is, there are still scope considerations to make, uh, but there, but there's not necessarily a blog for every single site. And if it's tangibly related to Apple, then it obviously makes sense to run here as well. Definitely. So if you have ideas, please let us know. And so I think that just about wraps up our list of, or collection of ask different best practices. Now, obviously this is not a complete list and there's lots of things you can do on ask different that were not covered. And there are some more technical things that we that we haven't haven't covered for the sake of of just getting the basics out there but we we hope that this has provided some information for for you at least and if not then well thank you for being such a productive member of ask different (laughs) this has been the ask different podcast you can find our show in most podcast apps by searching for ask different podcast Our direct RSS link and show notes for this and all our episodes are at apple.blogoverflow.com. You can reach us anywhere on Ask Different or at podcast at askdifferent.net. Thanks for listening.